on WUSB, Bob Longman here, and on the phone, Michael Neverdakis. Now, the thing that um, I was calling you in on was uh, the scene in uh, in Greece and in Europe as, as a whole, from where you're seeing you know Greece best. It's hard to understand, for me to understand, the economic hole that their nation in particular is in. And could you uh, please give a, a good description of that? I'd be happy to, and first of all, I'd like to say hello to everyone that's uh, listening in, and uh, that it's great to be back on uh, WUSB. Hey, you were a director. <laughs> you know the routine. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I was program director of WUSB. I uh, co-hosted In Focus uh, for a while on WUSB as well. Uh, now I'm actually in Texas, where I host uh, Austin Hellenic Radio on uh, KBRX broadcasting from the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, but I'd be happy to give an overview of uh, what has been happening in Greece, economically and politically. Greece sought out a bailout from the European Union and from the International Monetary Fund in May of 2010. This was in response to what seemed like a sudden uh, realization that the country was uh, no longer solvent, no longer able to pay back its uh, large debts to the European Union and to international creditors. And what this has done is it has resulted in a series of very unpopular measures that have been taken in Greece. They're referred to quite often in the press as austerity measures. Uh, they have included cuts to salaries of public servants, public employees, They've included reductions in pensions. Uh, they've included a lot of layoffs and furloughs of uh, public employees and also a very sharp increase in taxes. And even though initially back in May of 2010, there seemed to be talk that certain steps would be taken initially and temporarily uh, to help the country out and that no further steps would be taken, what has happened since then is that many further steps have been taken. There's been continuous cuts to salaries, continuous cuts to pensions, more and more tax increases. And it seems like a downward spiral that is never ending. Regarding the debt problem that the country faces specifically, it's certainly not a problem that is exclusive to Greece by any means. However, the markets responded to Greece in a way that could be characterized, in my opinion at least, as the market's looking for a scapegoat. Certainly, the world has been in an economic crisis since the banking crisis here in the United States in 2008. Things were not going very well in Europe in general, just as they were not really going too well economically here in the United States. And it seems that Greece, which only accounts for about 2% of the GDP in Europe and only 4% of the total debt in Europe, was found to be the convenient scapegoat for these problems because Greece is the weakest link. It's uh, not a particularly wealthy country compared to, let's say, Germany or France or even Italy, which has been in the news lately. And it was a country that in, in any sort of downturn, in any sort of crisis, would be very easy to pick on before markets could move on to larger targets, which is what they seem to be doing now. Uh, Italy has been in the news. We're even beginning to hear whispers that uh, France might be next or perhaps uh, a country like Spain. Uh, so in many cases, what has been going on in Greece has been blown out of proportion, and it's been blown out of proportion a lot more with 
all of the negativity that has surrounded the media coverage of Greece throughout the past year and a half? Well, uh, then the question uh, becomes, it is a small country, and even what seems like a small deck to most of us, most, most, large, most of the larger nations, isn't so small for Greece. What, does, what can a nation like Greece do? I've been reading things about various people saying, uh, let's get out of the European Union, let's uh, declare these debts uh, not paid and not have to pay, things like that. Others are talking about uh, going through uh, personal austerity and a change in uh, outlook toward money and finance in, in, in general. What kind of – you're more familiar with the situation in Greece in particular than I am. What would what would be the a reasonable course of action for them? Uh, it's a hard thing to get out of, I would think. Well, the solution uh, there doesn't seem to be an easy solution. And by reading the press accounts, uh, you'll find a lot of different people that are recommending a lot of different options. Uh, certainly, uh, what is going on now at the uh, government level in Greece? Recently, the Prime Minister, George Papandreou, he resigned as Prime Minister. This was after an agreement was made, a tentative agreement was made with the European Union on October 26th, in which the European Union, the IMF, the European Central Bank, would loan Greece more money in exchange for what they were calling a haircut of the Greek debt. This haircut of the Greek debt was supposedly going to amount to up to 50% of the country's debt. But in reality, if you looked at the fine print, it was only amounting to 50% of a small portion of Greece's debt, which if you sort of took it together, you know, if you looked at the debt as a whole, it would really only reduce Greece's debt by maybe 10% at most. And in the meantime, the money that was being given to Greece was certainly not a handout, which is one of the misconceptions uh, that has been reported in the media throughout the crisis, Greece isn't being given money by the European Union. Greece is being loaned money by the European Union, and it's being loaned this money at high interest rates. So this money, is just, it's basically money that's being loaned to Greece to pay back debt. So it's basically debt to pay back debt. So even if this money was going to go toward... Uh, or rather to come alongside a debt haircut, it's money that's being loaned to Greece. So Greece is still going to owe this money. And if anything, the result of this agreement, this October 26th agreement, would have been that in 10 years' time, Greece's debt as a percentage of its GDP would be no higher than it was, would be no lower rather than it was last year. So in other words, it really wasn't going to make much of a difference. And it was, as a result, very unpopular in Greece. George Papandreou initially called for a referendum on this deal. The European Union leaders found out about this, and they got very disturbed at this prospect. So they forced George Papandreou into a corner. He announced that there would be a referendum, but instead it would be on whether or not Greece would stay in a eurozone or not. And then he quickly backed away from that because, uh, as you can imagine, that's a very risky move. So having mentioned that, Papandreou ended up resigning because there were calls to put together a national unity government. That is indeed what has happened. There's a national unity government right now uh, that is led by an unelected banker who used to be the, the governor of the Bank of Greece. In fact, he was the governor of the Bank of Greece when Greece entered the Eurozone in 2002. 
Uh, he is not elected, he's not a politician, uh, and he's brought together the members of parliament from the two largest parties in Greece, PASOK and Nea Dimokratia, and one of the smaller political parties that is a, a very far-right party as well. So this, these three parties have formed the National Unity Government, which initially was said to just be taking over the country until elections would be held, early elections on February 19th of 2012. Since then, the unelected new Prime Minister of Greece, uh, Mr. Papadimas, has announced that elections will not happen on February 19th, but they'll happen whenever the country pushes through the austerity measures uh, that were agreed upon with the European Union on October 26th in order to get the next set of bailout funds. Now, in terms of a solution, this is a European Union solution to it, and it's a solution that not many people agree with because they feel that it'll just continue the downward spiral of people's quality of life and income continuing to decrease while the country continues to struggle and while the country, in the meantime, is forced to uh, sell out, sell off rather, many of its public assets and many, many state utilities to private hands as part of paying but this trying to pay back its uh, its debts. Uh, I've recently spoken to some economists who have offered different views. One economist by the name of Yanis Varoufakis from the University of Athens is calling on the European Investment Bank, the EIB, to release funds, billions and billions of euros worth of funds that it has earmarked for capital and infrastructure projects all throughout Europe. These billions of euros are basically sitting on a shelf in this bank because there's a bylaw that this bank operates under which says that any funds that are meant to to, uh, to go toward capital and investment projects in any European country must be matched 50% by the country that will be receiving those funds. So if there's going to be a project in Greece, for instance, uh, worth $2 billion or 2 billion euros, one billion would come from the European Investment Bank and the other billion would have to come from the Greek government. Well, countries like Greece and Italy and Spain and Ireland and Portugal right now don't have the money to match these funds. So they're just sitting there in this bank and they're earmarked. There's projects that have already been approved, business plans that have already been approved, and they're just sitting there and not being spent. So he's calling for this money to be released, for this bylaw to be changed so that this money can be spent, so that projects can begin to get underway in these countries. It's it's very similar to a New Deal line of thinking, where during the New Deal here in the United States, all sorts of public infrastructure projects were, uh, were funded by the government and put people to work and arguably helped bring about an economic recovery. Mr. Varoufakis was also calling for basically a larger write-off of the debt owed by Greece and by some other countries, and instead the recapitalization of uh, banks uh, that uh, would, uh, basically the banks that are owed this money uh, from countries like Greece, uh, instead of shaking countries like Greece or Italy or Spain down uh, in order to pay back these banks, the European Union should just go ahead and recapitalize the banks and write off the debt that these countries owe to these creditors. So that is one view. It's a very simplified version of the solution offered by this one economist, Yanis Varoufakis, who was recently touring the United States and talking about this plan. Another economist that I've spoken to recently, Mr. Skaperdas, 
uh, from the University of California, Irvine. He's calling for something that's a little bit more drastic, which is for Greece to immediately default on all of its debts and to return to its old currency, which is the drachma. And he feels that this would be advantageous for Greece because immediately Greece would take back control over its monetary and fiscal policy from the European Union. It will be able to devalue its currency, which, mean, which would mean that its uh, debts would immediately be paid back in devalued uh, currency. So the Greece's debt burden, in other words, would be reduced. It would make the country much more competitive economically because its exports would be cheaper. It would be a much less expensive tourist destination than it is now using the euro as a currency. So it would be a, a less expensive destination for tourists if the drachma was used instead of the euro. It would also mean that uh, it would be a more attractive investment destination as well because international investors would be paying salaries in drachmas instead of euros. It would be making purchases in a country in investments instead of euros. So the feeling, according to Mr. Skaperdas, is that this would put people back to work. Since imports into Greece would be more expensive, this would encourage domestic production to increase in all sorts of industries, whether it's agriculture or heavier industries. And this line of thinking has some popularity in Greece. I, I don't know if necessarily a majority of people want to see a return to the drachma, but there's a lot of people who feel that Greece should take back control over its destiny from the European Union, from countries like Germany and France, and be able to maintain and control its own economic power and own economic policies and destinies. And that this in the long run, even if it would be difficult in the short run, even if it, per it would perhaps cause a, a, a short-term panic in the marketplace, even if it would mean that international creditors would be reluctant to lend to Greece for a period of time, the feeling is that this might be the better solution for Greece in staying in the euro because both of these economists, Mr. Vodoufakis and Mr. Skaperidas, feel that the euro is on the way out. Uh, they feel that there's a very, very strong likelihood that in, in the next few months or in the next year or so, the euro might collapse completely as a currency, not because of Greece, not because of Portugal necessarily, but because of the way the euro is structured as a currency. There's this feeling that it's unsustainable. The European Union has not responded well to this crisis. And there's just too many structural problems in the European Union and too many differences between the economies, between, let's say, a Germany or a France and an Italy or Spain or Greece that might lead to the total collapse of the, of the euro and each country returning to its own currency or perhaps there being a new euro that would only incorporate certain Northern European countries that have stronger economies, such as Germany and Holland and the Scandinavian nations. Now, I know here in the United States, a lot of people have changed their way of life because of much of the problems, that uh, the economic problems that have happened here. One of the things that a lot of Americans did, you mentioned it there as a national thing, but on an individual basis, we've done it here an awful lot, and that is to use debt to pay debt, uh, yes. most popular form being the credit card, uh, another form being a second mortgage. And uh, we've had to start changing our habits on that. How is this affecting the average Greek person? 
Excellent question, and I think a very strong analogy can be drawn between what a lot of American households have been going through in the past two or three years and what a lot of Greek households are now going through as well. Because as you mentioned, a lot of Americans have been relying upon debt to pay debt for a number of years now. We've entered this, uh, this culture of paying for everything with credit cards of picking up loans, of picking up second mortgages, to pay for things, and in many cases to pay for things that are not really basic necessities, but luxuries and extras that as soon as something goes wrong, as soon as, soon as we uh, perhaps lose our jobs or, or, or have some sort of difficulty in our own personal finances, we can't pay back these debts, uh, and then we run into problems. Well, the situation in Greece was not much different. Uh, and this was especially the case from 2002 on, uh, and 2002 being the, the year that Greece officially started using the euro as its currency. Once this happened, easy money became available to the Greek people for the first time. Before 2002, I can speak from experience, people just didn't use credit cards very widely in Greece, nor did they take out loans very often in Greece. People had a high level of personal savings in the bank, and they basically relied upon these savings anytime they needed to make a bigger purchase, whether it was for a car or a home appliance or even to, uh, to buy property. Well, from 2002 forward, this changed. Banks now were able to borrow money from the international marketplace at the same low interest rate that a country like Germany was able to borrow money. So this meant that a lot of money entered the marketplace all of a sudden. Banks were giving loans out for all sorts of ridiculous things. Banks in Greece were advertising loans to go on vacation in the summertime. They were advertising loans to go out, to go out and do your Christmas shopping. And people took the bait. People started spending. There was a huge increase in consumer spending. And a lot of households in Greece amassed an enormous amount of personal debt. So as you can imagine, when a crisis really began to hit home a couple of years ago, and a lot of people started seeing their salaries go down, their spending power go down, a lot of people lost their jobs as well, either because they worked in the public sector and they were fired, or because consumer spending started going down and this began to hurt private businesses, well, they saw that they couldn't pay back these debts anymore. So the same thing that's been happening here in the U.S. with home foreclosures or people losing their cars, for instance, well, that's been happening in Greece, too. A lot of people have lost their properties. They've had those homes, uh, in many cases, second homes, vacation homes, foreclosed, taken back by the banks. A lot of people have had their cars uh, repossessed and other property that they paid for with these loans repossessed as well. So it's been the same problem, the same experience that uh, households in America and also in Ireland and Spain have been going through as well. So the response has been a sharp decrease in consumer spending, uh, and this has been aided by the fact that taxes have gone up as well, so everything is more expensive as well. So people are just buying fewer products from the supermarkets. If they are buying things, they're buying less expensive things. Uh, ironically, I had an interview with a, uh, with a renowned chef from Greece recently who said that Greeks, ironically, are returning to the true Mediterranean diet which doesn't include a lot of red meat because it's cheaper to go out and buy fruits and vegetables and grains rather than meats and fast food and eating out all the time. So some people actually might consider that a good thing, but um, in economic terms, it's signaling uh, the fact that people are spending less or eating out less 
there's less spending on things that are not considered necessities. And in many cases, unfortunately, even less spending on things that are necessities because people just don't have enough money, even in many cases for the basics. And certainly they're reluctant to do the type of spending that they were doing for the past 10 years or so, which was a lot of credit card spending and a lot of borrowed money. So households in general have tightened their expenses, and it's certainly probably even for a lot of listeners that might be tuned in now, an experience that is not much different from perhaps what they have been doing in the past three or four years here as well. So that's really been the case in Greece. And perhaps for many people, the realization that this out of control, you know, pay-as-you-go credit card spending is unsustainable in the long term. Yes, and something I've always said. Before I let you go, what I want to know is, well, what can America or Americans do in this? Where Greece is, is quite far away, uh, except, of course, for people who are from Greece in America. But is there some connection we have here that, or a role that individual uh, Americans can have or or maybe a, cha- a, a, a shift in policy that might help or something? Well, I think that not so much specifically to help Greece, but specifically to help ourselves and to help the global economy and, and people around the world as a whole. I think that what we need to do here in the United States is to take a step back and to look at what has been going on in the past 10, 15, 20 years or so in terms of this huge reliance on credit, this huge reliance on borrowed money, both on a personal private level and also on a national level, and to say, you know, is this really a sustainable path? Uh, Is this really the type of economy is it really the type of economic future that we'd like to continue down the road toward in the future? Uh, I think that the events that have been taking place here in the United States in the past few months, where we've seen this Occupy Wall Street movement rise up out of nowhere, seemingly, uh, we've seen people coming out and protesting uh, about corruption at, at high levels of government, about Uh, corporate greed, about unemployment, about the fact that young people, educated young people, are unable to find jobs. I think it's signaling that there's problems, and the problems that they're signaling and and, and hinting towards are not just problems that we see in a country like Greece, but they're problems that we see in the United States, they're problems we see in the United Kingdom, even in Germany, and and all over the developed world. Uh, I think we need to step back and look at what our true priorities really are. I think we need to look at at the type of spending we've been doing in the past 20 years and say, is that really necessary or is there another way forward? Do we really need to be spending so much money on so many things that are unnecessary in our lives? Do our governments need to be spending so much money, whether it's bailing out corporations that are supposedly too big to fail or whether it's military spending overseas on dubious uh, military operations? or what have you. I think we basically need to look at our priorities and our, at, at a, as a society and to determine what are the true priorities. Is it the spending to bail out companies uh, on a national level? Is it going out and spending and, and loading up credit cards on a personal level? Or do we need to return to a way of life that, I mean, I don't want to say simpler, but a way of life that people had perhaps up until 20, 25 years ago where people were still living a very high quality of life, but without having this mountain of debt following them in many cases. 
uh, I think if perhaps we moved toward that sort of line of thinking and perhaps instead of putting together, you know, instead of rely, relying so much on debt, relying more on savings, putting money aside for a rainy day, and beyond that is supporting, for instance, local businesses, supporting people in our communities that are less better off, contributing to charity, contributing our time uh, as volunteers, perhaps, to different causes that we believe in, uh, and sort of bringing back this notion of community that seems to have fallen by the wayside for a lot of us in the past couple of decades. I think if we did that on a personal level, then the national level would follow. And then I think if our country on the national level reprioritized its interests, then there would be a global uh, shift in interests that might follow as well. And I mean, I don't want to sound too utopian, too lovey-dovey over here. I mean, I'm trying to look at this from a pragmatic point of view. The past 20 years, economically, I feel are unsustainable, and we're seeing the results of that with the banking crisis that began here in the United States and the recession that followed since 2008, and we're seeing the results of that in the Eurozone in the past uh, two decades as well. Yeah, I, I keep I I keep thinking back to the various movies that came out of the uh, 1930s and 40s, and a very different world I'm looking at there. One that was aware that when you got into debt, heavy debt, you were under someone else's thumb, namely the people who lent you the money, and that that limits freedom. It does. And it does. We're now we're now beginning to realize that just how much that has limited it. It, it gives enormous amounts of power and enormous amounts of money to people who can very well control things. And we can blame, we can yell at them and blame them all they want, all we want, but we were complicit in this. We were yes, complicit absolutely. in this. We helped build this whole thing, and we did not say no. We we just said yes, yes, please, and we had to change. And apparently, so does the rest of the world. And there's a long way to go here. And I, I thank you, uh, Mike, for talking to us and and describing the situation. And I can only Basically, what you're saying is we take care of ourselves so we're not a drain on anyone else, and so we can actually be a helping hand, and we got to work on that really hard. And, again, I thank you. You have, once again, I want to talk about your radio show briefly. Uh, your show is what? My show is Austin Hellenic Radio. It airs on a radio station in Austin, Texas, KBRX, 91.7 FM, owned by the University of Texas at Austin. So it's on the air Thursdays. I'll give it an Eastern time, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. It can be heard on the internet on kbrx.org or at austinhellenicradio.org. It's basically a radio program that is dedicated to Greek culture and to issues pertaining to Greece and to the Greek community. So I've been having a lot of uh, features and interviews recently with, with people that are speaking on the economic crisis in Greece and in Europe. But I also do things that are completely unrelated to politics and to, uh, to the economy as well. So it's Thursdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern at bostonhellenicradio.org and kbrx.org. Okay, well, thank you very, very much. And uh, it's great to hear from you. You should know that uh, the current radio colleagues are all over at uh, the Wobbly Olive in, in Hawpog, partying up right now in a fundraiser that uh, ends the Radiothon. And uh, we are raising money this time, and 
you're familiar with that, Mike. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> we needed it then. We need it now even more, as always. And the same equipment, some of the same people, some of the same problems. We're, we keep going and going, but we can only keep going if people give. And uh, anyway, thanks, Mike. And uh, uh, have a good day, and hopefully we'll uh, get in touch again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, and uh, best of luck to uh, WSB during uh, the Radiothon.